Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fit Pro Podcast. I am your guest host today, Ben Coomber, from the UK's number one rated health and fitness podcast, Ben Coomber Radio. Today, I am filling the big shoes of presenting the Fit Pro Podcast, and today, I am joined by Amy Giannotti. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Did I just pronounce that right? Yes, you did. did. You're spot on. thing is, <laughs> you, you go over it, and then you're like, Oh, sh- oh no, I didn't. I did. And I did. So that's fine. Brilliant. Amy, welcome to the show. You are obviously uh, not a native. You are down under. Most of the people listening to this will probably be UK based. Have you always done your fitness thing in Australia? Yes, everything in Australia. Although I have had a few clients overseas, but that was Singapore and New York. So yeah, but largely based in Australia. But that is the power of the internet. We can potentially reach everyone these days. So I'm interested in your background. What got you into fitness? Describe me a little bit about the journey and kind of almost what made you so passionate about what you do. Well, where do I start? Because I, I suppose I have a few different areas of work as a dietitian, a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, running coach. Yeah, dietitian, I said that. And yoga teacher so I've got a few things going on but I suppose what first got me into the industry was well first of all I wanted to become a dietitian and I found that through I think I suppose you know it gets a little bit personal here but in about year nine my mum left me and um, my family so I grew up with my dad Um, to start off with that was awesome that we got to kind of you know eat what we wanted we got um, money for the for the canteen and all that kind of stuff. But soon after I realized that that kind of food made me feel really shit. It didn't only impact my physical health, but very much my mental health. And I won't go down too much information there, but that did um, allow me to really understand the relationship with food and how I feel and how I function. So I was really became interested in how yeah, food affects our body and made me feel really good. And, yeah, then I wanted to become a dietitian pretty much, so I worked my butt off because my grades were very low, and I just got into the course. So I moved to Melbourne. So I did grow up in Ballarat, which is a country town. Moved to Melbourne and became a dietitian. But during my study as a dietitian, because it takes five and a half years, I did a personal training course um, on the school holidays, on the uni holidays, and, yeah, started to support my life as a uni student doing PT. Love that. So I'm intrigued and this is kind of going to be the angle of the podcast today. Now when fit pros get into the industry one of the bits of advice that I always give them is kind of focus on one or two areas of your trade and become really good at that See that you don't well initially spread yourself too thin. As you introduced yourself, you listed off loads of different areas that almost you like to specialize in. Was that like a core aim from the beginning? Did you want to do everything, be great at everything? Or did you kind of like, right, dietitian, nailed it, trainer, nailed it, S&C, nailed it? Because it seems like a little bit of an unlikely path to be so good at everything. 
I think, well, my, my number one goal was to become a dietitian, but it's five and a half years at uni and I was working at Boost Juice and Levi's, so that sucked. I was getting like $9 an hour and my spare time I was catching up with friends and a lot of the time I'd spend in the gym or doing some exercise and I was always into sport. So I become a become a personal trainer and really loved that and was quite successful. Then when I finished I wanted to become I wanted to work in private practice. So setting up your business as a sole practitioner as a you know, your own practice as a dietitian is very hard. So I was able to get straight into it because I could do maybe fifty percent personal training, fifty percent nutrition and they really overlapped really well. So mm. that's how I started. So <laughs> and a, then And then what happened yeah. with the the next layers, the S and C, the running coach, the yoga, like is it all now like twenty percent each or how does it look in your business? Oh gosh. I I've always got projects on to be honest and that's my personality type. I like to have variety. Sometimes I don't really know what hat I've got on. It's kind of a mixed hat. I've got a few hats on. Mm-hmm. Especially when I'm working with you know, people with eating disorders, I find that I put my yoga hat on, so using a lot of the stuff I learned from yoga. I mean, I've got my dietitian hat on again, and I'm working with elite athletes or any type of athlete really, but especially triathletes, runners. Then obviously I use my knowledge and understanding as a strength and conditioning coach, running coach, and I also used to compete as a triathlete, so I made the Australia team for triathlon as well. So I have lots of respect for that because I think it keeps you interested in what you're doing. It keeps you motivated by having all these different projects. But I would say that some trainers don't go about adding those different things to their CV in the right way. And they just get carried away with like learning for almost learning sake and doing all these different courses. So what tips would you give to trainers as they start to layer their business, layer their profession, layer the uh, abilities that they have so that they use all this stuff in the right way because it seems like you're doing it in the right way. Well, I suppose I always ask myself how and where and how often am I going to use it. So, for example, becoming a yoga teacher, yes, it was a bit of a self-interest kind of thing. I wanted to study yoga myself, but I knew working in the area of eating disorders and my dog's just barking, sorry, (laughs) and working in schools and corporate groups, it's a package that I can add. So already going into schools and delivering a nutrition consultation, I mean a nutrition presentation, straight after that, hey, let's do yoga and finish with some meditation. So it's a, I'm already in the school doing a service, so why not add on and charge a bit more? (laughs) Of course. So give me a little bit of an insight into how you structure almost the management of your business and what steps you go through in your week or your day to be organized because with this much going on there's got to be a lot of planning so talk me through how you plan your business because I think a lot of trainers could do a lot of work to optimize that well I don't see any training clients one-on-one anymore I only have a training app, so it's a personalized training app, so strength training programs and running training programs. So people can purchase that online, and then once they've done all the – filled out all the information, done all the fitness tests and all that kind of stuff, they know that there's a week until they get that program. So that's when I can work I can work on that stuff whenever I have the time, but I'll have that notice that know that's coming. In terms of my nutrition consultations, they're all booked online, so I don't have to – take any calls for that and you can't book I've only got certain hours available and it's only 12 to 5 Monday to Friday so people will book in but they can't book in within two days so say for example today's Thursday 
they wouldn't be able to book in until Monday. So it gives me that time. And then if I have um, time that I want to work on a project or admin, then I can block that in my diary as well. So that just comes up as me busy. But in terms of keeping on top of things, meditation is the key to clear my mind. And after meditation, I will always write in my journal. So pretty much I just brain dump all of the stuff that's going on. Might be from appointments to catching up with a friend, ring my grandma, write that blog, do that nutrition analysis, whatever it is, write it all out. And then write it down again on the second page as like a bit of a time frame. So my timeline or time frame will include having a shower, going to the gym, when I'm having lunch, when I need to pick up stuff, food, all that kind of stuff. So I can see it actually fitting in. And I try and not overload it. So I make sure that it is definitely doable. So if I fit in some extra bonus things, I can. So what I'm... And I tick as well. Tick, tick. Yeah, perfect. So what I'm hearing in a reverse engineered way, because I'm going to unpick it for the trainers listening a little bit here, is that what trainers often advise their clients to do, which is make time for stress relieving activity, make time for training, make time for food prep, all the rest of it. I see a lot of trainers telling their clients that and not doing it themselves. So you are making your rules for your business. My clients can only train with me here. And I do meditation to keep on top of things. And I write a journal because it helps me mentally. And when I actually, because I coach a lot of trainers myself, when I actually sit down with trainers and say, are you doing this stuff yourself? Are you making time for this? It's usually a no. It's all hours as much as possible on the gym floor, trying to train as many clients as much as possible on the gym floor, and maybe not charging enough for your time and getting frustrated with the kind of almost work-life balance that you have in your business. And really... Surely we are, are, you know, we're to blame if we don't have that in our business. Mm. Yeah. I think the best thing is being very, what's the word, but, you know, stick to your plan in terms of these are the times that I want to work and people will work around them after a while, especially well, when you're first getting into the, you know, the business as a personal trainer. Yes, you have to be a bit flexible, but there comes a time where you say, this is the time I want to work or you end up working, you know, your first clients at 5.30 a.m. and your last ones at 8 p.m. I've been there before and I work my butt off and you have the longest days ever but you might have a four-hour gap but it's still a long day um, and you just get run down. So I, a little while ago, especially when I was at university, I had to condense obviously my clients into a smaller time frame and I thought I'd have to say a goodbye to a lot of clients but I asked if they could start training together so I found people with similar goals and similar ability who I went from one-on-ones to two to three to four-on-ones and actually making more money per hour but people will move if you're just I don't know what the word is but well, what we're kind of hinting at here is that you've made yourself really valuable as a trainer, and it's like a blockbuster movie coming out of the cinema. Like, this Spider-Man movie is on at 8 o'clock, so you arrange your schedule to go and see the Spider-Man movie at 8 o'clock, and people want to yeah. come and see Amy, but you've only got one or two available today. So they're going to rework their diary to say, well, I can, I can see Amy. And if we have that approach to our business... Again, we can optimize it for our business, for our lifestyle, rather than having 50 hours a week governed by everyone else's wants and needs, which is it's emotionally draining as well. Yeah, like people will move it if it's important to them. Mm. So uh, I'm interested. I want to just rewind. 
back to when you were a one-to-one trainer a bit more because obviously a lot of your work is more online and not many of the trainers listening will probably be in that position because it takes a lot of time and investment to get there was there like a system or maybe a member of staff that really affected your business so for example one of the things that I did when I started to get really busy is I got a PA and she was only working about six to eight hours a week for me but it cleared up all my admin and enabled me to keep coaching and working on my business and that was a real kind of business optimizer for me so is there someone who stands oh stands out as helping me yeah was there almost like a big first thing that you did that really optimized and helped your business well my husband was a really good influence he made me do my income books so I was a bit slack with that so yeah he actually bought me a book and drew the lines and yeah, so I could calculate my weekly income and then monthly and setting goals. So that was a really good influence. And I think also because we're saving for a house deposit, you know, we worked out how many sessions per week we want to be able to be getting and because we worked out how much money that would be. So, yeah, that was mainly just about a goal. But in terms of extra help, I started at Fitness First, which is a franchise. So I bought a – sorry, which is a big chain gym. So I bought a franchise there. Actually, I lie, I won the franchise because – I won the champion award in my PT course. But anyway, throughout, as part of that franchise fee and your ongoing rent, there's a PT manager. So they help with, you know, little things like how to make phone calls, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So they were like a mentor for us. Got you. So you were almost forced into having to do that business training to help you as a trainer because I do think it's a big gap in many personal trainers' development is oh, do the training, oh, do the PT course, the nutrition course, and actually, you then got to know how to run your business. Mm, yeah. So uh, I did have had two business mentors in my lifetime. I'm big. I'm a, I'm a big um, fan of mentoring. I've had two business mentors. I've had two different types of dietitian mentors, and at the moment, because I want to develop my skills in meditation to um, teach others, I'm ac- I've actually contacted someone today to see if they'll do like a six-week mentor thing with me. I might go further, but just to start with once a week. Again, another pearl of wisdom, how many coaches have a coach? I see too many personal trainers like being, oh, I'm the expert, and I'm like, well... I bet if you read a Tim Ferriss book or any kind of book, they've all got mentors because they value their ability to help change other people, which needs to improve, which means you need mentoring to be better yourself. One of the best things that I did when when I was at uni is we had this project where we had to do information interviewing. So you would contact someone in the area who you wanted to be like or who area you were interested. So obviously I was interested in private practice. Yep. So you'd contact someone and then you'd ask them for a coffee, you'd buy them coffee or whatever, and then you'd ask them all the questions about the job. So you might ask them how much they earn, what's the best thing about their job, what's the worst thing about their job, how did you set up Medicare, which is like the government health insurance and health insurance and all that kind of stuff all those questions and then you can record it and then you've got all these you know all the secrets I suppose great advice Amy we have run out of time for today thank you very much for your time thank you very much for the wisdom if people listening would like to go and find out a little bit more about you your business see what you're up to see how you structure your pride like any of this stuff that a trainer can learn from for you where do they go and find you and they can find me on Instagram, so Amy Lee Giannotti, or Facebook, 
Eating Fit, and my website is www.eatingfit.com.au. Nice. Well, so all of those, <laughs> all of those links will be in the show notes. We appreciate the dog. He's vocal. He's letting you know that he wants to go out for his morning fitness. That's why he's chirping up. <laughs> it's afternoon here, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. He's like, Mum, come on, let's go. Let's get down the beach. Let's go for a run. Amy, thank you very much for your time. All of you fit pros that are listening, if you'd like to find out more about Amy, click in the description box below. I've been your host, Ben Coomber from Ben Coomber Radio, the UK's number one health and fitness podcast. If you want to find out more about me, go to the Google machine, type in Ben Coomber, and you'll find some cool stuff. As ever with any personal trainer development, take notes on this stuff. Write down a few key things. Write down how you're going to influence your business. Write down how you're going to move yourself forward and make a plan for yourself because without these plans, these things don't happen. That is the key thing with personal development. Don't be transient in this process. Don't just think, oh, that's nice. That's clever how Amy does that. Go away and do the work. Right. I've been your host. Enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time.